This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Without Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave in the Melon Law Studio in our undisclosed location in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, which is God's country. As you know, we're out of this rat race of the big cities, and uh, we are speaking to you from uh, a winsome, windswept land. Isn't it wonderful? Well, uh, today I want to get back to the arts for a while because the arts are my first love, of course. And uh, as you know, we are a sponsor of Dance Alive National Ballet. Uh, we encourage everyone to become involved with the arts. Uh, the ballet is special to us in our community because of the work of our guest today, who has been really at uh, shoulder to the uh, to the to the to the effort here for some 50 years or so, and uh, is really a pillar in this community, and has maintained a high level of excellence and high standards. So much so that our ballet dancers are as good as any ballet dancers really anywhere in the world, and actually come from all over the world. We're talking about uh, Kim Tuttle, who's with us today, who's been with us before, and. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some interesting things that have accumulated over time. When you've been doing something as long as Kim has been doing it, you have a, a legacy. You have a, yeah, you really have an archive of, of, of events and people and uh, situations. And you have people now who were little kids when they were dancing who are now sending their little kids to dancing. So it takes longevity to be in the position we're in today to talk about uh, looking back at the dance and its influence in our community. Uh, I think we'll want to focus on something that's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, which originally attracted me to Dance Alive National Ballet. At least we'll start out that way, but we'll follow wherever our conversation takes us. But we're gonna talk out with a growing phenomenon here in our community called uh, Dancing with the Stars. Of course, you know the national Dancing with the Stars on the television is pretty popular uh, and it's getting hugely popular here, our local version of it. And it's a big fundraiser for Dance Alive National Ballet. Uh, you're gonna be hearing about quite a bit about it on this show as time progresses and we have it again in the spring of next year. So Kim, welcome to the show. I know Thank that, you. Um, you know, Kim sleeps about four hours a night, she just told me, and um, um, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> not enough hours in the day. And um, um, you know, if you want it, it's the old adage, if you wanna get something done, give it to a person who's busy. And uh, because they're already in get something done mode. So, um, Kim, let's uh, let's talk about what we were thinking about talking about. And can you go back and give us the origin of this brainstorm somewhere, someday, somehow, some way? Somebody had a brainstorm and said, let's do Dancing with a Star. It was actually a person that was a treasurer for a ballet company about 15 years ago. And that was Gail Monaghan. I don't really? know whether you remember her, oh, but remember Gail Monaghan, yeah. Um, she, uh, you know, people come from all different walks of life that love ba ballet and the arts. 
And uh, she was one that did. Her children had taken dancing and she uh, came up with that idea. And she also came up with the crack nut idea. And, um, you know, everybody does fundraisers. Everybody does silent auctions and dinner and dancing. Um, what could distinguish Dance Alive from all the other fundraisers? I mean, we're not a huge medical nonprofit. Uh, we're, we're not, you know, something that is about um, animals or, or other kinds of nonprofits or religious nonprofits. What would distinguish us? And what can we do? Well, we can dance. And what is popular at the time? Well, it was Dancing with the Stars. So two and two together, I don't know why not everybody in the in the in the world picked up on that, but she did, and we started doing it. Um, we've done it in different places. We did it at Touchdown Terrace, we did it at the Savannah Center, we did it at um, um the Phillips Center, and now we're doing it at Legacy Park. And it's been at least 10 years. Remember at the Phillips Center. Uh, and during that time, we were also giving our angel awards, um, which was for an outstanding individual who's contrib contributed not just money over the years, but time and support and expertise and all those kinds of things. Um, now we do that at a different time because the Dancing with the Stars has become the centerpiece for that whole fundraiser. And it's successful. We have now gotten our own identity as an annual fundraiser, and that's the Champagne Gala with Dancing with the Stars. And this year, it's going to be March 12th in Alachua, Florida at Legacy Park. We're very excited about it. Um, we did it last year, even, even through COVID. We were careful. We had not one COVID case coming out of it. So, um, you know, looking forward to this year again. It's all set. We've had meetings. We're ready to go. Let's talk more. We're talking with Kim Tuttle, who is the... Uh... Um, I know everything, the, the everything with, with her sister, Judy Skinner, yeah. uh, behind Poe Falls Dance Studio. And then, of course, uh, uh, the Dance Alive National Ballet. And then now we're talking about one aspect of it all, and that's Dancing with the Stars, which is a fundraiser. Now, let's talk about um, who some of the people have been um, from the various walks of life. We've had a, a little bit... Um, of everybody, all kinds of like, people. Like, like you. Oh my golly, no. <laughs> like you, absolutely. I mean, you danced with Carla, you did swing, and I remember you did it um, as much for your mother yeah. as for yourself, you know? And she was there. I remember she was there, and you, there was some sort of a mix up with the tux that we had, um, we had from. Um, it never uh, arrived. <laughs> it never, the tux that, that was complimentary, we had it through an organization in town that was complimentary for people participating, never arrived. And you came to the gala in your Bermuda shorts that you did the dance in. I remember that clearly. I remember what they looked like. It was crazy. <laughs> well, I remember we lost to a dress because uh, uh, Gretel, Gretel yeah. came out a uh, see-through sheer. <laughs> well, Dr. Mancuso was her, her partner and Dr. Mancuso was really good. So it was yeah, a, had a lot of experience dancing. So, yeah, it it's so funny because um, we have two awards for this. We have the People's Choice and the People's Choice is won by the amount of money that that star raises for this organization. Um, last year, Freddie Weeby was extraordinary in um, coming up with a, a different approach to fundraising, different uh, social media approach to this fundraising. So we we quadrupled 
our voting income. But, um, you know, the, the people that are really driven and social and, and want to get out there and raise money for Dance Alive, it's the money doesn't go to them. The money goes to Dance Alive. And um, they believe in the organization. They believe in the quality. But but um, but I think it's it's a combination of events. It's just so much fun for everyone involved. They get a chance to dance with professional dancers, uh, rehearse with them. I've been doing this all week this week already. I mean, Jeffrey Meldon was here yesterday. What a blast. He had so wow. much fun with Jesse Dominguez. And um, it's it's a moment that you never forget. You just never forget. You don't forget moments. it. You don't. Um, you, you don't forget it. I mean, um, it's already November. I mean, and we're already, it's November and we're already starting to rehearse. November, December, January, February. So it's four months out of a, the lifetime. Um, and it influences the, the the professional dancers as well. It it broadens their network and their range of people that they meet in, in Gainesville. And they make friends for a lifetime too. And then the other award is the judges award because it's not just about raising money. The people are making an effort to do their best and it's a competitive thing. And so they also wanna participate in being judged in their, their ability level. Not everybody does. Some people just wanna have fun, but the ones that have that spirit, that competitive spirit, they they wanna win, you know, they put their time in, they put that effort in, they take extra lessons. Cole Dooley, the um, anesthesiologist that participated last year, He's still taking ballroom lessons. He was bitten <laughs> so much. He's still taking it. Uh, he was very, he, I think he danced with Carla too. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. So um, this, is a, this is a wide reaching um, fundraiser. It, it doesn't just end and uh, the, the year that you do it. And I think one of the things that uh, I was just talking with Susanna Petty, she was at our board meeting last night, as you know, she was, uh, she said, I have some other ideas. I really want to incorporate the previous stars in some way because so many of them are saying, you know, use us. We want to be involved. We want to, we want to participate somehow, maybe not as board members, you know, but maybe as, um, you know, participating in the year, having, um, like, um, an annual, you know, this is like a, what do you call it? Uh, when, when people come back at schools every, every year, you know, right, a reunion, a, a, reunion. A, a, reunion, a reunion. Yeah. So a reunion, I think that just hit the thing. Yeah. Like a reunion, but a reunion during the event. You well, know, you so. know, I was thinking about this and I think one of the things you might consider, um, and we're just tossing around ideas now is before the actual event starts this year, uh, we have all the alumni who are there up on and say, here we are. Here are the ones who come right. before you guys. That's right. and, you know, yep. we could have some fun with it. We set this bar yep. real high. Yep. You know, we're going to be watching you and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, to create a real kind of a, a sorority or fraternity, if you will, of dancers and dance supporters. Truly. Be a, another aspect of the whole um, company of, yeah. of ours. Yeah. It's a, this is an outstanding event. Um, and it's partnered with an outstanding ballet company. We were just... Uh, speaking with someone, um, Gary, the board president, and I, and he said, you know, I'm not one to praise a lot. I don't go around just, you know, giving false praise. But he said, this company is made up of people that are as good as any dancers in the country. He said, it's just in a small city. It's kind of hidden. You know, it's not hidden to the people here. But, um, you know, when you only have 15 to 18 professional dancers um, and you're in Gainesville, Florida, you might not be known in New York City. You might not be known in 
you know, San Francisco or Boston. People know the name, but do they really know the caliber of the company? Uh, we danced in um, Cuba. As you know, we were invited to the International Ballet Festival there and had wonderful reviews. And we danced in um, Brazil, Costa Rica, Russia. We've had good reviews everywhere we've danced, but it it, it isn't a big city. It's it's a, This is a homegrown company, and it, um, it, it capitalizes on that, I think. Uh, particularly with this Champagne Gala with the stars that are here. Um, six degrees of separation in Gainesville, right? Yeah. You know, I'm getting <laughs> some messages here that might be passed along to you, too. Sure. Um, um, if people want to sponsor, businesses want to sponsor, there's plenty yes. of opportunities for that. Um, we do get donations, food. Uh, let's talk about that, how all the businesses that come to the table with their wares, if you will, donate them to the cause. Can you we talk about that a moment? Well, there, there are several ways you can do that. You can either just be a sponsor for the year, you know, like an annual sponsor, donate, and, and uh, for instance, you would be a production sponsor. You could be a sponsor for the Champagne Gala, very specific to that event. You could also sponsor a dancer. Now, I know Adam Bukhari in Alachua, who was the city manager, just retired. He is participating. And we've already had someone say, I want to sponsor Adam. So we have different benefits for, for those different kinds of sponsorships. Um, and, and that's all online. You can go to our website at www.dancelive.org. Look, look under Donate or Champagne Gala. It's on the homepage. You can find it. It's very successful. Um, <laughs> way of, of donating to this company. Anyways, we also have a huge outreach program. I think, do you mind if I veer off into that? No, no, no. Okay, right. We have a huge outreach program for those of you that are inclined to donate for that purpose. We have a dance partners where we can, um, we bring people with um, um, disabilities or um, people that have, are unable to attend or vets. Um, that might make it difficult for them, and you can sponsor that too. For instance, the probably the the most uh, well known one that we do is called the Magic of Nutcracker, and at that we have uh, students, um, children with disabilities. For instance, the Flagler School for the Deaf and Blind will be coming. They sit on stage during the final dress rehearsal, and. I, I know that Freddie Weeby was a sponsor and Davis Chevrolet and um, uh, Credit USA. And this year, Jeffrey Melden as well is going to be a sponsor. Um, and remember, they were amazing. I, I brought in the, I brought in the uh, sponsorship for the kids from St. Augustine. That's right. That's right. That's right. And they, um, they sit on the let's stage. Talk about that. Let's take time out and talk about that for a moment. Sure. We bring um, people who feel the dance. That's right. Let's talk about that. It's amazing. That's what I was just getting ready to go to because okay. there were kids that were sitting on the floor. They couldn't see, but they were sitting on the floor. They maybe had some visual, but, but very impaired. And they would sit on the floor and they would feel the rhythm. And then the dancers would come up to them afterwards and they would feel the dancers as they were, were moving. Um, it, it was just, I mean, it was a breathtaking experience for me. And I think for all the company dancers, it was too. It's, it is not one of those things that is just done for the sake of bringing money in and because, you know, you're doing something nice. It was really, truly moving and meaningful 
and um, I don't know how else to express it. It was you know, more than just being nice, you know. We have a video of that somewhere, and I'm real proud of present it and, to the public. Yeah, I need to dredge that up. I think Linda probably has that. Yeah, we have a video of the kids getting off the bus from the St. Augustine School for the Deaf and Blind. Mm -hmm. And and that that is a very heavy moment. And to see those kids come down, those buses arrive, come in, and those, you know, in front of the circle there at the uh, Phillips uh, Center and get off with help um, down and uh, go into the and sit on the stage. We have them sit on the stage so that they can feel the dancers' feet as they move across the stage. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it was. Um, it's something I particularly enjoyed participating in and being able to help make possible. And uh, it's it's just, people take for granted, as you and I know, um, their present health condition. They think, oh, well, you know, this is the status quo. But these kids certainly don't. You know, they've got a struggle, which uh, they accommodate very, very well. And that school certainly helps. So. Um, and I want to thank your wife, Barbara, too, because she is right there. She she is the one that each child that comes gets a little Christmas present, you know, yeah. and it's a special time for them. It's not just, you know, bus them in, do it, leave. It We try to create a special time for them. And, and Barbara is very helpful and very sensitive with that, too. It's a really wonderful event. And in addition to that kind of outreach that you can sponsor, um, we are starting a pilot program in Alachua. I spoke with Mike DeRosa, who's presently the city manager, and he said, Kim, we want we want Alachua Bita PS Center, a cultural center, and we want Dance Alive to be right there. And he said, we would love to have you come to Legacy Park, do after-school programs. Uh, we think it would enrich the cultural environment of the city, and it would give students something that they might not otherwise have. So our outreach director, Emily Pozek, who you know, is going to be starting a class January 25th. That's a six-week pilot program. We'll see how it works. Um, Elliot Harris uh, at Legacy Park said they would find ways if kids did not have transportation to get them there. Um, the schools are Irby and Mabane and let me see if I can find the other school. Um, sorry, Irby, Mabane and Alachua. That's two elementary schools and one middle school. And um, I've spoken to the principals. It's been approved by Jamar Aikens, who is a community supervisor at Alachua um, for, for Alachua County. And um, we're ready to go. So starting January 25th, we are now expanding that program. Um, we have a sponsor, Radiant, Radiant Bank, uh, Radiant Credit Union. Radiant Credit Union of Alachua is a sponsor for that program already. It's wonderful because, as you and I know, we discussed uh, um, the Good Life community about, I think it's four or five years ago now. Time flies when you're having fun. And, um, <laughs> or surgery. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted uh, us to take advantage of of this uh, charming community. And I'm glad to see it's the seed has taken uh, root and is growing because um, the sky is really sort of the, uh, the limit here for what can happen in the city of Alachua. We get the right players involved, which we're doing. It sounds as if we're doing. And um, with all the technical things that are happening here and all the uh, research that's going on and the quality of people who are moving here, uh, who are very cultured people, very well-educated people, they're going to have families. They're going to need places to send their uh, kids and, and that sort of thing. And we might consider on down the line, if we have to, 
locating of Hall Studios. Oh, absolutely. In the city of Wallachia. Yeah, we've looked at that possibility. That's definitely a possibility. I think once we're a little bit more um, solid on our, our new building here in Gainesville, we can make that the next step, um, perhaps in Ocala too, because they've had a couple of studios fold there. I think that branch studios are a real, a real possibility as long as there's quality control. You know, for us, um, many of you don't realize, but Pofall Studios, which is gave birth to Dance Alive, uh, it's just a regular dance studio, but we don't do competition. Um, there's a real difference between competition studios and training studios. It's not that we don't offer performances. We have a, the next generation, which is a student performing group and, and Nutcracker and all those kinds of things. All performing arts are geared toward performance. But um, competition has a different focus and mission. You know, we're we're a training school. We want to give people the foundation of excellence that they can use wherever they want to go with it. Maybe they don't want to go anywhere with it, with their dance. Maybe they want to be a teacher. Maybe they want to go to college. Maybe they want to get a scholarship to college. Maybe they just want to be a fan. Maybe they want to be a former board member and they can really evaluate you know, properly who would be a good artistic director of the future, you know? But um, now our whole goal is really to give the foundation. I mean, sometimes we'll have students come in and I know every teacher says this, but oh, you'll come in, they'll come from a different school that's not, not necessarily geared toward technique. And it takes a lot of work to undo things and give them that, that basic foundation. I'm speaking more of ballet than jazz and tap and, and that kind of thing. Ballet is a uh, it's like classical music. It it requires a very um, um, a specific line, a body line, and if you don't have that body line, then you can't compete in the professional world of ballet. You just can't. Uh, it's like a violin. If you if you don't play the violin well, you can't be in an orchestra. If you don't sing well, you can't be in an opera. You know. Same thing with classical ballet. If you don't have that proper line, line is line is the key to classical ballet, and that's, that's what a very we, interesting concept. You and I have discussed this um, on other occasions where we have talked about the great coaches and the great teachers mm -hmm. are able to uh, take a look at a person and know whether or not that person is suitable to do well in the particular event uh, that the person may want to be in, but really doesn't have um, the ability, God-given really, to go to the top of that, although we can enjoy many different levels of it. And as I've mentioned with you before, Nick Boloteri, the, the, the great tennis uh, 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 instructor who never played tennis himself, he was a Marine Corps drill sergeant. And he taught discipline is what he taught. When kids came to him at his tennis camp, uh, he was able rather intelligently and shrewdly to take a look and see who was worth investing in and tell the parents quite candidly, um, well, I really like the fact that you brought your daughter or your son here, but there's going to be a limit to what they can accomplish. Um, just to give you an illustration, which I've shared with you, um, the Russian father, the doctor from Russia, brought his daughter, a very, very young Maria Sharapova, to Nick Boloteri. And Nick Boloteri instantly saw that this young lady, very young at the time, uh, single numbers of age, uh, was, could, was capable of 
taking as much teaching as he was able to give her. And um, she, of course, became uh, sure <laughs> And when asked about why he, what he saw in her, he said, I like the way she walked. And you're talking about something similar, I'm, I'm sure, in, in totally. life. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, well, and also coordination. I mean, there, there's a kind of a, a loping, a loping movement with natural dancers. There's kind of like a, it's like an antelope kind of a loping movement, just a relaxed kind of loping movement that you can see has a musical rhythm inside the movement. And with dance, of course, you want to have that musical rhythm um, in your body, kind of like Michael Jackson, for instance, you know, but, but uh, you want to have that, that sense of music in your body. And you can see people walking across the street, you know, are they going to be good dancers? Um, <laughs> you can, but the, the distinction of dance and classical is the line, is yeah. that line. And ba classical ballet is based on a turnout, the rotation of the leg and the line of the foot. Um, and of course, you know, everything that accompanies that arms and head and so on and so forth. But and let me just also say that we, we're not just focused on professional, you know, in, in a school. We're also focused on people just, you know, right. finding great joy in doing what they're doing and giving getting poise and confidence that they can carry themselves anywhere in the world and be feel good about themselves you know what whatever size body they have whatever you know problems they may have they they still have a sense of confidence in their own physical being so all those things are really important to, to humanity you know there we go it's about everybody you know one of the funny stories that i'll share with you is i have a friend uh, uh who is a tennis coach and I've watched her walk out there on the court as she's given lessons. And I'm thinking, man, you know, she must have been a model. I'm talking about a runway model because of the walk. If you've ever watched runway models walk, they have a particular gait, as you say, and a particular mm -hmm. rope. And um, so one day I mustered up my courage and I, I said, uh, you know, I don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, you walk like, like a run, runway model. And, and and she said I was in Miami, um, <laughs> uh, very high powered, you know, runway model at one time. But uh, you know, that liked the tennis better and took to the tennis and played for a college team, and is now a tennis pro. So, uh, but it's it's I know exactly what you're talking about, um, uh, and, and and that balance is, um, I guess it can be. Let me ask you this because I think as we get older, I tend to lose mine, but. Can it be can it be uh, uh, exercised or trained or refined or balance? Balance, yeah. Balance is something that we focus in on mm -hmm. every single exercise in every single class. You know, when you're on balance, this is really interesting. When you're on balance and you feel this vertical uh, alignment, you feel weightless. For instance, when a guy is holding a girl you know, a partnering and they're doing turns. If she's the least bit off, she feels like a ton of bricks. If she is on complete balance, it's like all you use is your fingers to turn her. When you go, if she goes overhead and you have to lift her, if you're a guy, if if you're lifting in front like that, she's going to weigh a ton. She's going to pancake on the floor. If you if she is directly over your the crown of your head, she's not going to, you don't have to have strength. You just have to have that balance point to hold. I mean, you have to have a modicum of strength, but you don't have to be a super strong weightlifter to, to lift a, a girl overhead. So balance is like integral to lightness, grace, um, injury protection, 
you're off balance, you're always prone to injury. Um, there, there are a lot of reasons that 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 balance is like one of the essential. Um, it's the 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 earmark, really, the earmark of classical ballet. I have to say that. And probably a lot of other things too. Such an interesting point to elaborate on because where else would you hear this conversation except from a teacher like you who, <laughs> who knows how to look for that? And um, the weightlessness is interesting. If you're perfectly aligned and you're perfectly balanced, you're almost weightless. Totally. And, and um, you know, I, I I I remember one of the one of the pieces of advice that I got from my partner in Dancing with the Stars, who is your principal dancer, <laughs> Carla Mancio. Um, she was talking to me about flexibility, and she said in her accent, which is called, she speaks Portuguese all the time and spent in English, but uh, she told me, Ward, Ward, stretch, just 10 minutes a day, just 10 minutes a day. And you talk about something I've carried in my ear all these years. Every time I'm walking around, I'm thinking, Carla, I haven't stretched today, you know, I haven't, I got to do that. She is still in my ear, you know. No. When you look at it, you know, stretching is part of this whole uh, contraction release kind of a thing that the body goes through just breathing, inhale, release. So when you when you tighten your muscles and they're always tight, you're kind of going counter the natural uh, flow of life. So if you stretch those muscles out and then you can contract them, then you can stretch them. They can last longer. They can have more effectiveness. You know, it's like taking a shallow breath. You know, you don't, you don't, your body doesn't circulate as well with just shallow little breaths as with big breaths. And it's all in tension, relaxation, tension, relaxation, tension, relaxation. And that's built into every ballet class. Every time you go up on your toes or jump in the air, your muscles are tight. Every time you land, the joints are released and the muscles are released. So it's all built into it. Wow. Wow. Well, we've talked for about half an hour and, and I know you've got a busy day today. I'm, Thanks. I don't know of any day you have that isn't busy. Um, what's on the schedule for the rest of the day? Just out of curiosity for it. Oh, got, got Zoom calls coming up, another one. And then we have rehearsal until two. And then Adam Bukhari is going to be here doing Dancing with the Stars. Then we have classes all afternoon. And then I have rehearsal till 10 o'clock tonight. And in the middle, we have costume fittings. Have you got all the participants rehearsing now? Oh, yeah. Well, oh. actually, Clovis Watson, you can go ahead and Clovis, I need you. Yeah, okay. Clovis Watson Jr. is a is a star and he was unable to make the first, you know, he's going to be really super busy, but he couldn't make the first rehearsal. So we're going to get him this week. Yeah, he's one. And then I think Wiki, Wiki Ariat is another one that uh, had a conflict, another conflict. So with everybody almost is ready to go. OK, well, we're going to take a break. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Um, uh, on the Ward Scott Files, and we'll, of course, be in touch, and we'll be having you back. We normally would have had uh, Kim with us next Thursday, but that's Thanksgiving, and uh, we're not going to have a live show on Thanksgiving. We're going to let everybody enjoy their family. We'll run a rerun of some sort and um, treat the folks to that, but so we'll be taking that Thanksgiving day off. So Thank thanks you so much, Ward. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to be right back in a moment after we break for our sponsors on the Wards God Files and, and praise those who donate and sponsor us. So uh, we appreciate uh, you helping us get these notes out in the bottle to the outside world. We'll be right back on the Ward God Files. This is Ward God, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. 
The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Welcome back to War Scott Files. Thank you, as always, for those of you who sponsor us and those of you who donate. Um, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave. If you need to talk to me on the Melon Law Hotline, it's 352-325-3938. I want to spend a little time with you right now uh, talking about the fact that censorship is alive and well in the United States of America. Um, we did a show Monday uh, where we interviewed uh, Peter Wood, from who's president of the National American Scholars Association, and um, YouTube took that down. You will not see it in our archives, and YouTube is not broadcasting us today. Um, that's the way they work. And the reason they gave was that uh, the Mr. Wood uh, mentioned um, in his conversations uh, the uh, rigged election uh, of Trump versus Biden. Um, you're not allowed to question, okay? I'm just going to tell you this right now. I hope Lloyd Bailey's around here watching because uh, he, you know, this is nothing esoteric. This is nothing, you know, theoretical. This is nothing, uh, well, it should be a republic rather than a This is pure and simple. You are not allowed to question the validity of the election. Okay, or we will terminate your broadcast. We will not post your show. We will uh, keep you from talking to the public about it. Now, the Wall Street Journal, for example, has published a uh, a very interesting take on Molly Hemingway, who is doing nothing but questioning the election. That conversation has been picked up and printed in Imprimus, which is published by Hillsdale College. Uh, it might be the only way eventually that we can communicate, and that is through some sort of written word. Uh, but even that can be burned and banned. So I'm telling you, my friends, uh, we, we are exploring going on another platform, but it will, be, it will be costly. There will be a cost involved. That's why we're reaching out for donations. And you're going to hear me hit that a lot harder. Because if we have these open and free discussions, and we do not record these shows because to record them would be too expensive to store in the cloud. So, because uh, it's video and it's an hour of video. So, YouTube records it free because they sell ads. And you look at all the things that are on YouTube, and we upload it from YouTube onto our other platforms. So if it doesn't go through there, it doesn't go to the other platforms. Right now, it is on Facebook, and you're seeing me, if you're seeing me at all, 
you see me on Facebook. The issue there is that Facebook has already prevented us from boosting because we brought up issues and questions that are contrary to the national accepted storyline. So we are not able to boost the show and let more and more people know about the show. Um, they have threatened us as well with termination and uh, YouTube has now threatened us with termination. Um, the only way to overcome this really is to have a free and independent platform, which is not here right now. And uh, it, in some sort of thing like we had with Radio Free America or Radio Free or whatever it was called. But these people with their algorithms and they're all young, they're not very well. Uh, um, I, I think probably what, and they give to the Democrat causes, you know that Zuckerberg gave heavily to the Democrat cause. He did it through uh, the absentee ballots, which were not easy to count for. Uh, the uh, comments by Mr. Wood, for example, talked about how the machines shut down and, re and then reopened uh, as that were counting the ballots and, and key. You're not allowed to question the Democrat narrative. Now, this is going on while we are arresting, literally arresting Trump's advisors. Uh, this is, think about this now. The end goal of that arrest would be to send Trump's advisors, and if they could, Trump as well, to prison in, uh, in zip ties. That's what they really want to do. And they want to parade that ultimately in front of the American public. And they don't want anybody to question it. So I don't know what's going to happen if that happens. Uh, I suspect that there'll be some uh, pre pressure kettles blow their lids on this. I mean, I don't think that that will go quietly into that good night. But that you take a look at what is going on here. And uh, you will you will see that uh, 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 there is a lot of, of possibility for that to happen. Uh, I have here Molly Hemingway's article. All right. Now, she's a senior editor at The Federalist. She's a senior journalism fellow at Hales, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College does not take any federal money. Therefore, they're not beholding to the political narrative at all. Nobody can take away money from them. If you want to, federal money, if you want to support a good cause, you support Hillsdale College. She's also a Fox News contributor. You know what the left thinks of Fox. She has a BA from the University of Colorado at Denver. She's also a frequent contributor to the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Washington Post, which is a purported left-wing editorial point of view. She is the co-author of Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation, and the Future of the Supreme Court. And the last work that she's done, which no doubt is going to draw the ire, if we put this in the title of our shows, we would draw the attention of, of these young censors who run these social platforms. She's the author of the recent work, Rigged, colon, 
how the media, comma, big tech, comma, and the Democrats seized our elections. That title on a show here would get us banned, okay? Uh, that, that it is absolutely so, because it's happened already to, in, to us in bits and pieces. And the threat is that these bits and pieces will accumulate and re result in a permanent ban. Um, the, uh, 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 the whole narrative of, of, of the, the election was not rigged and not, uh, you know, has, has been perpetrated, if you will, by Time Magazine. Uh, um, you know, you know, you know the storyline. It's been all over the place. Um, it's um, it's um, a, a, a very thorough article here that she's published. That is a, uh, a segment of her work in her book. We know about Zuckerberg. We know how Zuckerberg helped the Democrats. We know that this county here, Alachua County, took seven hundred thousand um, dollars from Zuckerberg. We know that Marion County took no money from Zuckerberg. We have been investigating election fraud to the extent that I'm going to let you know something right now. A Central Florida news station is coming here today to interview some of our research team on the Ward Scott files about what we're doing to uncover voters that are felons that are convicted, that have no right to vote, no right to even be registered, but they're registered and they're voting. We are about to break this story at least through the Central Florida area on TV. This has not been broken here locally by the local stations. But so Central Florida is the one who's been noticing uh, what's going on. We're in a blue county, okay? Uh, these papers are beholden to uh, the blue power structure here. And uh, they, they, they work very, very hard the, to keep that lid on the communication systems here. Uh, the Zuckerberg, help for the Democrats that's well known, um, it, you know, and he contributed in the name of preventing misinformation. This is what the techies are using as a criterion to censor you. You are spreading misinformation if you dare to question the integrity of the election. Um, it is not anything that they feel the least bit guilty about. Um, they don't feel guilty about directly funding liberal groups, uh, running partisan get-out-the-vote operations. Um, they uh, picked, cherry-picked, according to uh, people we've had as guests who, uh, and according to our own research, election offices in key swing states uh, by doling out large grants to crucial districts. Um, this is uh, quite a story that you're not going to get to hear unless you really dig and unless you donate to people like us so that we can keep this message alive to you. Um, Priscilla Zuckerberg, who is Zuckerberg's wife, gave more than $400 million to nonprofit groups to secure the 20, quote unquote, secure the 2020 election. 
And most of these funds have come to be known as Zuckerbucks. And as you know, they were funneled through the, if you watch this show, they were funneled through the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a, a voter outreach organization founded uh, by Tiana Epps Johnson, Whitney May, and Donnie Bridges. All three of those names had previously worked on activism relating to election rules for the new organizing institute, which the Washington Post once described as the Democratic Party's Hogwarts for digital wizardry. Um, so it's it's a, a, a story that you have to dig to get. Molly Hemingway is uh, probably got enough national recognition to keep her from being silenced. Although I'm not so sure about that. If um, the inquisition uh, of, uh, of, of, of the Trump people is successful and they're able to convict them, uh, then uh, you will see uh, that censorship really feel much confidence and probably People will become more and more intimidated that they'll be caught up in the whole movement. And so they'll go even further into un the underground. We have a real struggle uh, getting sponsors to raise up out of the, uh, uh, the ground and identify with us. I know Elantra Chronicle has the very same problem. Uh, uh, difficulty in, but you know, Everybody relies on us to to keep the news coming, but uh, it ain't free and it ain't without risk. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, there are all sorts of statistical uh, 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 issues that uh, uh, show up as anomalies in the voting system in the so-called called, uh, um, um, tally. In, in, for example, Hemingway, Molly Hemingway says that uh, on average, uh, most counties in, in Georgia uh, moved Democratic by less than one percentage point. Uh, counties that didn't receive Zuckerberg bucks uh, showed hardly any movement. But counties that did move, they moved an average of 2.3 percentage points Democratic. So in counties that did not receive Zuckerbucks, roughly half saw an increase in Democrat votes that offset the increase in Republican votes while roughly half saw the opposite trend. So in, in counties that received Zuckerbooks, uh, three quarters saw a significant shift in, uh, in the uptick in Democrat votes that more than canceled anything that changed in Republican votes. And basically this was done through the proliferation of absentee ballots in the name of helping people vote who were homebound by COVID. Uh, Molly Hemingway goes through a lot of different districts and a lot of different states to make this point. Um, we have a review in the Wall Street Journal uh, today. Let's see, we had it in uh, uh, Tuesday. Today is Thursday. And it is um, a column by Kyle Peterson. Um, I'll just read it to you at the risk of being censored. 75% of Republican voters say the 2020 election was rigged per a recent poll with real cases of fraud that changed their results. Are they right? From the title of Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged, you'd think it would be easier to figure out. 
The prologue is titled, You're Not Wrong. She even quotes President Trump saying he was cheated and that hurts to lose less to win than have it taken away. Um, you remember how they treated Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani for even daring to venture this. Molly Powell, Molly Hemingway is uh, going through the data state by state, district by district, and the Wall Street Journal, which is probably too big to take down. I don't think that the left is going to be able to take down the Wall Street Journal. Um, it's um, it's a um, uh, it, it, it has become more and more uh, aware of what the issues are. Um, the uh, the uh, journal is something uh, you know you read you read if you do what I do you you really run the gamut of reading and and sorting through all the different sources to try to get to what you think is a reasonable type of narrative. Um, in the Imprimus, uh, in the September issue, uh, the uh, uh, Roger Kimball uh, has written daringly about the January 6th insurrection hoax. Uh, Roger Kimball is the editor and publisher of the New Criterion and publisher of Encounter Books. Now, let me just tell you why Encounter Books figures into this. Encounter Books published Peter Wood. If you go back, and we can't because it's been taken down, uh, you can see it, however, on Facebook still. You can see that Encounter Books published Peter Wood, all right, when he talked about the election in his latest book. Roger Kimball is the editor and publisher of Encounter Books. He has a bachelor's from Bennington College and an MA and a master's uh, in philosophy from Yale University. He writes for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times Book Review, the Spectator World, American Greatness, and the Epoch Times. He's the author of several books, including The Long March, How the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s Changed America. Uh, he is uh, also written a book called How Politics Has Changed uh, Our Higher, Has Corrupted Our Higher Education. Um, this is also printed and uh, published by Hillsdale College. Um, the insurrection, he says, as the dictionary will tell you, is a violent uprising against a government or other established authority. Unlike the violent riots that swept the country in the summer of 2020, riots that caused some $2 billion in property damage and claimed more than 20 lives, the January 6th protest at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. lasted a few hours, caused minimal damage, and the only person directly killed was an unarmed female Trump supporter who was shot by a Capitol police officer. It was, as Tucker Carlson says, shortly after the event, a political protest that got out of hand. But it's being now called an insurrection. It's being called a threat to overthrow the government. Um, he says uh, in his article here, which is quite extensive and quite well researched, uh, that uh, uh, this is a, uh, an establishment media supported narrative being written by political masters who are uh, feel a dire threat to their particular power. Biden 
called it uh, the uh, greatest assault on our democracy since Pearl Harbor, even since the Civil War. This kind of hyperbole out of the left is fueling and obviously it's embedding itself in the ears of these young platform kids who run these algorithms who have created uh, the YouTubes and the Facebooks and those types of platforms. It's obviously where they have gotten their opinions. And that in itself is a whole study. Once a, one day in the great future beyond, when people are writing and looking back at this country, somebody's gonna have that as a graduate thesis. How in the world did those kids build such a powerful platform form and then become the masters of it uh, without having any knowledge of the past much, uh, any civics and being apologists for America? Um, we know, for example, that uh, the Steele dossier was dirt covertly paid for by the Democrat National Committee uh, and the Hillary Clinton campaign. We know that. But people ask me, is Hillary Clinton's people going to be paraded uh, with zip ties in front of the House of Representatives? No, not yet, anyway. From beginning to end, the so-called Steele dossier was a, 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 a what uh, the, the uh, 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 Roger Kimball calls a a a a, a, a tissue of lies and fabrications. Boy, that gets you that gets you put in uh, timeout. You know, I feel comfortable here because as a kid in high school, I held a record numbers of nights of detention in our school history. I was in there for a whole month one time. And I think it was probably looking back on it for doing the same thing I'm doing right now. I'm daring to question the establishment narrative. You can't question the narrative of the establishment. Even then, you know, if I thought the instruction I was getting was really kind of off base, I questioned it. And if I questioned it and it was too far out of line, you know, it got me in trouble. I told you the story of when I first got in trouble, when I asked the lady about enriched bread. Why, if it was white bread and they took all the good things out, did they call it enriched? I was five years old when I asked that question. Um, everyone along the chain of uh, material here with the dossier knew it was garbage, knew it was rumors and fantasies uh, fed to uh, this gullible steel, so writes Kimball. And it was nonetheless used uh, by Clinton. And this is a tactic being used right now. Uh, to deploy illegally the awesome coercive power of the state against a presidential candidate whom the ruling bureaucracy uh, was frightened by and uh, challenged their favorite candidate. That right there is, I've lived through the Watergate world. I've lived through Korea, uh, I've lived through Vietnam. Uh, I've lived through and, you know, another thing, for example, that Peter Wood said was that Kennedy got the election by fraud, which everybody pretty much knew back then. Um, I've lived through all this, but I have never seen a situation like I'm witnessing and experiencing right now in the history of this country. And I got to tell you that the lack of courage on the part of people who know what's happening uh, amazes us who are out here talking about it blatantly and overtly. It just amazes us. 
that there are so many people, if you will, hiding behind us who peek around, but they don't want to be exposed themselves. They will say, you go get them, Ward. And I loved your show and this and that, but they don't want to be seen or associated with it. It's something that really uh, you recognize if you magnify that across the country, you are creating your own, digging your own hole, if you will. Um, we know that the, the, the Michael Flynn, uh, Trump's original national security advisor, had his career ruined. Uh, he was bankrupt as a result of his political vendetta. We showed you uh, these tactics locally when the SWAT team banged on the door of Colliers International with weapons pointed at innocent people. Uh, ask General Flynn what this is all about. See if it's ever happened to him. Uh, I talked to a man yesterday who's experienced, experienced, experienced in law enforcement and told me that he trusts no law enforcement organization, none, trust none of them, with the exception of the U.S. Marshals. The U.S. Marshals, he says, approach being uh, as, 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 um, as um, honest as you can get in the law enforcement organizations. He trusts none of and he himself is former law enforcement. So take a look at General Michael Flynn. Trump's original national security advisor. Meanwhile, what do you have? You have Comey, you have McCabe, you have Lisa Page, you have John Brennan. Well, I can't stand that guy. Peter Strzok, all the rest of the crew of Kimball Wrights at the FBI, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies who haven't suffered at, in, at, at all. Haven't suffered at all. When it's come to light that an FBI lawyer altered an email in order to help get a FISA warrant. In other words, he doctored evidence to spy on a political appointment, a felony. What did he get? Probation. I'm telling you, my friends, you need to think about this. And uh, we're going to hit this a little bit harder with you because, quite frankly, the future of this show is in jeopardy. If we continue to speak out and we continue to bring you uh, candid conversations, and this is a very limited audience today, so you need to share it as much as you can among your network because it's not going out. This show is not going out to the other platforms. Uh, we're going to record it and keep it, hopefully, in our archives. But that's it. So those of you who are watching are going to have to keep this alive by sharing it with other people. And, you know, I've gone over this before with you. And it seems as if nothing much changes. Um, so I'm going to uh, submit this uh, into the classroom conversation today and let you know that uh, you need to do your part to protect yourself, not me, but yourself. I hope you have a great day and take care. I want to thank production for, uh, uh, you know, doing a great job. One of the situations we're working with today, I want to thank our guest in the early part of the a show who is a great lady who's doing a great job here in the community. Warthog Command Center out.